0: is amazing. And I think it's one of the really unique features that, that you guys brought to life for us. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how many people know yeah, kind of your capability and your creativity of doing something like that, in addition to all the fancy electronics, but it's really, it's kind of one of the signature parts of the ballpark.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Dactronics Experience Podcast. I'm Justin Oxner here with Matt Anderson. Today, we're talking with the Fredericksburg Nationals, Seth Silber, co-owner, and Zanchung Wu, Director of Productions. We talk about their love of baseball, building a new stadium, and crafting their game day production to entertain their fans. We're here today with Seth and Wu. Seth, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you all doing? Pretty good. Wu, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you guys for having us. Yeah, and I do have Matt Anderson with me right over here. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing good today, Justin. Thanks for asking. All right, so today we're gonna we're gonna talk with the Fredericksburg Nationals uh, a little bit about uh, their their ballpark and their production system, and of course the video display that they got from Dactronics. But first, can we start with uh, what Matt loves to call an origin story? Yep. <laughs> so, Seth, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the role that you're in today?
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, we're kind of unique in that we're still very much a a family-owned business. Um, The team's owned by uh, my dad, my sister, and I. Uh, We've owned the club for over 30 years. We played up the road in Prince William uh, for a long time in a stadium that was uh, a bit out of date when we bought the team uh, back in 1990. (laughs) And uh, we had been looking for a new home, and Fredericksburg invited us down here, and it's turned out to be, you know, really an incredible market for us. Um, But you know, we had the opportunity to build a, a brand spanking new ballpark in a in a great market and a great community. And, um, you know, again, as a kind of a family owning a business, there used to be a lot of those in minor league baseball. I think there's a lot fewer. Mm-hmm. Um, we take a lot of pride and we're very proud to kind of build this ballpark and bring it into this community. So that's that's how we got here in Fredericksburg.
2: Nice. And you, and you definitely mentioned, you know, being a part of something like that for 30 years. And I'm always curious to go back then. And it's. I know, were you always just a big baseball fan? Did you play baseball growing up? Is that kind of just, I mean, it just sounds like it's been in the family, right?
3: Yeah, I mean,
0: baseball's always been kind of huge in our family. And it goes back to uh, uh, my great-grandfather, who was uh, an immigrant from Poland, uh, moved to the States in 1939, uh, became a big Brooklyn Dodgers fan, adopted baseball. Uh, My dad grew up a half a block from Ebbets Field, and his childhood memories are meeting Jackie Robinson on a corner and walking to the ballpark with him. So it goes back uh, a really long ways in our family. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, was a big uh, Phillies fan growing up, Uh, was never a a great baseball player, but was a a very adequate uh, community league ball player, but always played. My dad was my coach and was a huge Phillies fan for a long time. Um, Adopted the Nationals when they came to the market in 2005, and we affiliated with them and uh, my son and daughter, you know, grew up with our ballpark in Prince William, grew up with with the Nationals. Uh, the Nationals winning the World Series and uh, a couple of years back was a huge highlight for our family. So uh, mm-hmm. baseball was always really big. We never kind of thought of or dreamed of owning a team. But uh, my dad had the opportunity to buy into the team in Prince William back in 1990. And it's just been kind of amazing ever since then.
1: Wow, that's that's awesome to hear. Yeah. A lot of a lot of good history there, too. Um and Wu's here today too. Wu, can you tell us a little bit of, of your background and how you came in to be the director of production today?
3: Absolutely. So uh, I actually moved from China to United States about five years ago. Um, so I, I lived in uh, my hometown for 24 years before I moved to the state. Uh, I studied journalism when I'm back at home and graduated college. And working for um, a TV station and thought about um, that's probably not the things that I want to do for the rest of my life. So i um, big fan of baseball. Um, so I decided wanted to come kind of to the state and see if I can get a chance to work in baseball. Um, and here I am five years later um, with Fredericksburg. But um, my, my childhood memory with baseball is um, mainly from one of the japanese animated series about japanese high school baseball and i fell in love with that um animated series and i asked my mom hey mom could you find me a baseball team around town and my mom says um yeah i tried but there's no baseball here um because Mm. baseball is virtually unknown in my hometown for a very very long time because i grew up in the kind of like a secondary city in china and only those big city has baseball so um fast forward uh, go to college and there's a club team and they mainly just play slow pitch softball on the soccer fields that that's all we got so that's how i started uh, getting in touch with like baseball and softball and such and we do play a little bit of baseball when we get a chance to get a bigger field but um uh, i don't want to I don't, I'm, I'm probably not even um, qualify as an adequate uh, baseball player <laughs> like Seth <laughs> back in China, um, but uh, I did get a chance when I moved to the States. Um, my first two years working in baseball is actually in Tulsa um, with the Tulsa Drillers. And there's a league team in the Metro Tulsa area. I, I started to play. I had a little bit of, um, you know, foundation of how I know how to swing a bat mm-hmm. or I know how to a ball or catch a ball that's about it and then it's slowly growing growing um um you know one of the things for me to fall in love with the sport is actually you know participate in it and after that two years working in baseball watching baseball playing baseball i i couldn't tell you how much i uh how much how much deeper i fell in love with baseball even like more more than my childhood memory, but um, that's basically me and um, the story of baseball, of, of my baseball career, I guess. But um, I did work with Tulsa for two years and get an experience how to run the control room, how to do all the graphics, streaming and you know producing the show, how to communicating with um, all the different department, especially like promo and marketing. And that's kind of, kind of how I get experience, and I got a call uh, with Robbie Perry, uh, our VP Creative Service, Assistant GM, and he he thought I might be a good fit for the team, and that's how I got here.
2: That's awesome! <laughs> Such yeah, a cool, no kidding. There's a lot of cool stories in there. And so, so you graduated, you did the TV production thing, and then you went to Tulsa after that, and then from Tulsa to Fredericksburg is that kind of the right yeah, order? Yeah,
3: I I actually missed a part of it, so I I got a postgraduate. Program with the uh, IUPUI, which is one of the campuses for Indiana University in mm-hmm. Indianapolis. I was studying sports journalism, um, but during that time, there's uh, Indianapolis Indians over there. I went to their minor league uh, games a lot and kind of you know start watching live baseball. And then um, I figured I wanted to work in minor league baseball, and then I went to the winter meeting Orlando in two thousand. I think it was 17 winter. Um, so I uh, got there and only got one call during the four days uh, span that's from the drillers. And fortunately they hired me and that's how I started working baseball.
2: Wow. So a lot of different experiences in a lot of different areas. That's awesome to hear. And then, so currently, right. We kind of said the title already. You're the director of production uh, currently. Could you maybe just give us a little bit about, um, you know, like what are your roles and responsibilities today?
3: Absolutely. So, um, as a director of production, I kind of just oversee the whole video department, all the video component that we need to run, uh, either during the game or like social media, and just making sure during game day we have enough staff to run everything, and our graphic for whatever we put in the show control is ready for that day, and if we need to change something, we need to do it beforehand. And during the game, we just um, streaming our games on NILB TV, and have our boards ready during games. And we need to like um, update headshots, group mm-hmm. messages uh, for sponsor, and fix a little um, a little design kinks and quirks that we we had prior. And that's kind of like what I do, and also just making sure our you know graphic is up to date and stuff like that.
1: Nice, nice. So that's a a good history and a good foundation here. Like it sounds like the love of baseball for both of you guys just Mm -hmm. runs pretty deep and goes all the way back to the beginning. And then now here we are today talking about uh, a new building and the opening of a new ballpark. Um, Can you start by giving us some more background on this project, Seth?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, You know, we had, you know, as mentioned, we had been in a pretty antiquated ballpark up in Prince William. And we've been trying to build a new ballpark for probably 15 plus years. Uh, we have a drawer full of prior designs on ballparks in different locations, kind of scattered all over Northern Virginia. And uh, being in North Virginia, there's definitely a bias towards that area. Fredericksburg is a little bit south of there. We're about halfway between DC and Richmond. And you know, we were uh, invited to come down to see Fredericksburg. We were a little skeptical you know, in that it wasn't a big enough market to support minor league baseball. Um, But we got here and realized very quickly from the city leadership uh, who quickly introduced us to the business community that this was a pretty special place. And we became convinced that from a fan support base, from a sponsorship support base, that this was a place where things could work. Um, The challenge was uh, Fredericksburg is a very small city. Uh, It has a population of about 40,000 people. Um, It was not in a position to finance a ballpark. So this was not a situation where a city was going to step up and put up you know 40 50 million dollars take on the debt themselves and build a ballpark it was clear that they could make a financial contribution to building the ballpark and they were kind of clear how far they could go but we would need to finance it ourselves which rarely happens in minor league baseball so we reached an agreement with the city uh, a framework where they would essentially pay for a bit more than 30 percent of the cost but we had to get financing otherwise and ultimately, we did a, uh, a, a, a bond offering um, that was very, very complicated, <laughs> uh, very difficult and very tense to the last minute until it funded. Um, but we privately funded a thirty five million dollar ballpark, uh, which has really uh, rarely been done in minor league baseball. So, you know, it's a very unique project. Um, but what it meant was uh, we controlled fully the design. We fully controlled the construction. Okay. Uh, we built the ballpark that we wanted to build and we worked with the vendors that we wanted to work with. Um, and, you know, that leads up to you know, our relationship with Daktronics. But, you know, it's, it's very unique because, uh, again, we're, we're a family. We're not a big corporation. We're not a private equity fund. Mm-hmm. We don't have unlimited financial resources. So when we say we're building a ballpark for thirty five million dollars, it has to be for thirty-five million dollars. It's like building a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, house. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's not these millions of dollars sitting over the side. We have this pot of funding that we got through this bond financing, but there wasn't extra money. You know, you hear about cities who have built ballparks um, and they start with a budget and then it goes 10, 15 million over. Right. That couldn't happen in this situation. <laughs> so picking the right vendors and getting it done within budget, which we did, uh, was critical.
2: And I think you kind of touched on this a little bit at the beginning, Seth, right? So you, you, you find where you're going to go. Essentially you get the financing ready. You have your, your $35 million price tag that you can't go over. And um, so then, I mean, there's so many, obviously there's so many more steps after that, but it's, did you go around and look at a lot of different stadiums and then kind of wonder is that, you know, we have 35 million all right what, what kind of stadium are we going to be able to build here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we, um, uh, we had one. We had one big advantage, um, and that is uh, Peter Kirk. Uh, Peter's owned and built uh, ten to twelve minor league ballparks of, around the country. Mm-hmm. And Peter is a very old friend of my father's, and somebody who I've literally known since I was about fourteen years old. And I'm in I'm in my early fifties right now, so I've known <laughs> okay. him for a long time. Um, and Peter's built so many ballparks, and is a family friend, that he was the one who was really able to help us figure out. The pieces of the puzzle, you know, the general contractor, uh, you know, the vendor that we were going to use for for all the video elements, uh, the seat vendor, uh, concession vendor worked through all that. And absolutely, I mean, we've been visiting ballparks. I mean, I've been visiting ballparks my entire life, <laughs> yeah. you know, collecting ideas in my head mm-hmm. of the things that I wanted to include, you know, s- should someday we realize our dream and actually build the ballpark. And there are little features around this whole ballpark of things that we picked up Um, There are things in this ballpark that are from Fayetteville that opened recently, um, which was the very low wall behind home plate so that when you're sitting behind home plate, you feel like you're sitting on the field. Um, Actually, the video board that we ultimately did was influenced by what we saw um, in in Fayetteville. Um, In Charlotte, we saw how their suites and their club were pushed up really close behind home plate. That was something that we did. Uh, We stole some things from the Independent League Stadium um, In Chicago, the Chicago Dogs with some things we did in left field. So, yeah, we were collecting uh, ideas all over the place. Um, and other people had influence um, as well. Our our general manager, Nick Hall, um, when we hired Nick and he saw the video elements we had in the ballpark, uh, he didn't quite make his acceptance of the offer contingent upon this, but said <laughs> in Amarillo, where he had worked before, we had this huge board in left field. And he said, We really need to do that here because it adds to the fan perspective and it gives us another venue for advertising. And it's something that we ultimately we did with you all that was very successful.
2: And that's what I love. I mean, we'll get into the details of the ballpark, too. That's the parts I'm always curious about, right? From Dactronic's perspective, we always think the video board is number one on the list, but <laughs> right. you have lots of other things going on at the ballpark. But to always hear that it's an important part is is always great to hear.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned a whole bunch of those finer details, that, like the the positioning of the wall and how close the, the suites are and things like that. Um, how long ago did you kind of start the building process leading up to the, the planned opening? Was it Two three years or was it longer? I mean, you, you said you, you brought some ideas from lots of years of experience, right? Uh, but how long did the the process start? How long ago did that start?
0: Um, you know, it was uh, you lose track of time with COVID. Um, <laughs> sure. But uh, I so we're in 2021. So in July of 2018, uh, we got our the bond financing in place. Okay. And at that point, um, literally this pot of 35 million dollars became available, and we were able to start moving forward. Uh, we had been talking with kind of key partners and vendors like like uh, like yourselves before that, but obviously we're not contracting for anything until we have the funding in place. Mm-hmm. So um, in July 2018, uh, the site that we're, we're on uh, was fully wooded. We started uh, clearing some trees, grading the ground, getting to a position where we could start building the ballpark. But at that point, we were intending to open in April of, uh, of 2020. Um, yep. So we literally had about nine or 10 months uh, to build a ballpark and try to get this place open. And um, we, you know, would have been ready to start the stadium itself, the full structure wouldn't have been completed, but, you know, by April of 2020 um, we had uh, the seating ball in place. We had the artificial surface field that we have, which is a unique feature of the ballpark in place. Um, all of the video elements that you all did, you know, were in place at that time. Uh, And we could have played ball. We ended up, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, because of COVID, having more time to complete the ballpark. Um, But we were we were moving along once the financing got in place, getting the pieces together. And it was definitely an evolving thing over that period of time with changes. And I knew I know we uh, we threw a number of curveballs at you guys that you that you hit very well um, (laughs) as we were making changes uh, along the way.
2: Yeah, um, that's really awesome to hear. It's always interesting to hear when we talk to customers of when they reference COVID, some say we don't count it, and some people say it counts as two years. So it's yeah. always <laughs> how yeah. well it went. So when, you know, you mentioned the, the benefits of it, even though you'd rather not have had COVID obviously have happened last year, but benefits of kind of fine-tuning, making sure the, the facility was ready to go. So what was the... What was it like last year then, with with uh, with the season being canceled? Kind of what type of events did you guys do there?
0: Um, it was, uh, I mean, it was tough. <laughs> it, was <obviously, laughs> yeah. it was obviously tough financially, but it was also uh, tough to have this beautiful facility done and open and not be able to really welcome the public into it. Um, you know, we did start doing some events that uh, summer of of COVID twenty twenty. Um, you know, we did some movie nights, uh, 4th of July, we did a huge fireworks show, which was, you know, a huge boost to the community. Um, we also had the nationals, uh, playing here, um, because they had their, their, uh, uh, their taxi squad, uh, using our facility, uh, one it's, you know, state of the art, we're obviously close to DC. Mm -hmm. So we had kind of the equivalent of their AAA team here, uh, starting, July through uh, September, you know, as the major league season got started in 2020. So we had this very strange situation of having uh, these high quality ballplayers on our team, um, but not having fans in the ballpark to see them. Um, I remember I would come down uh, with my wife and we'd sometimes be sitting in the sands ourselves, watching these guys. And it, You know, it felt a little bit like Field of Dreams. It was really kind of weird. (laughs) You know, it's just my wife and I sitting in the bleachers watching these guys play ball. And it was really it was really kind of odd. So but, you know, we you know, we did some events around Halloween. We did some events around the holidays. We were able to get people in the ballpark. But it was, uh, you know, it it was tough to have this facility done and not really be able to open it to the public fully until uh, April of this year.
2: Yeah, that's funny. I think we talked with um, it was with the Texas Rangers when they couldn't have yep. people in their stadiums last year and then until yep. the playoffs. But then they right. said like the staff would every now and then would look out through like the <laughs> windows in the suites. And I think Feel the Dreams came up in one of those conversations as well where they looked around and it was yeah. baseball being played, but nobody there. So then maybe just kind of lead into them with that that year being like that and very awkward and very weird. Um, So then what was it like for what was it like for the inaugural season here this past uh, year in twenty twenty one?
0: Uh, it was awesome. It was really awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, our first, you know, the, the season obviously was delayed. It didn't start until May. Mm. In May, we were subject to restrictions at about 50%, okay, which okay. meant we were able to have our season ticket holders in the ballpark, but nobody else. Uh, we couldn't have any single game tickets cause we just didn't have enough. Our, we had very strong season ticket sales. So that really took up half the ballpark. Mm. Um, but when we opened in May, even to 50% crowd, it was, it was pretty amazing. And you know, you, you you build a structure, and our our site uh, is is beautiful. I mean, I think the the physical structure itself is great. It's a great size stadium. It's got a great feel to it. We've got this beautiful wooded background behind the outfield, which is really nice. But a, a ballpark doesn't come alive until you have people in the stands, and you turn everything on. Yeah. And <laughs> I just remember kind of the magic of of doing that. And you know, we made a you know a significant investment and spend with all of our partners including you all but until you turn it on until you see how the fans interact with it you don't get a feel for the vibe of the ballpark and the vibe of the ballpark was amazing you know and that's where uh woo comes in and robbie and um alexis and Paige and everybody else on our creative services staff who do an incredible job with the technology in bringing it alive and uh so it was great when we opened we also had um not you know Covid wasn't enough, but the team opened 0 and 15. Oh. Um, so we, we did not have, <laughs> yeah, we did not have our first win in the ballpark for a number of weeks because we started on the road. We're home for a week. We're on the road for a week. We did get the first victory in the home ballpark. It was on a Friday or Saturday night. Um, so that was that was tough as well. But people were having a great time, and the place was alive. And the technology, you know, plays you know a huge part in that. So it was a uh, it was awesome. And then come June. Uh, the gates were fully open. We were full capacity, and we were filling the place. Uh, we sold out two thirds of our games this year, and it was uh, it was really amazing to
1: see yeah it sounds like you were uh, feeling some of that pent-up demand of people wanting to get <laughs> yeah. out and go to events again which is fantastic especially when you've got a new ballpark to yeah. showcase everything so uh my next question is you kind of hit on some of those unique features of your ballpark and and what it offers some of those fans and you alluded to it a little bit you talked about it a little bit but decktronics was part of that process what was it like seeing the the board turned on and entertaining fans for the the first time you were able to use it uh
0: it, it incredible incredible i mean the, the the quality the visibility uh the interaction um the way uh you know the way we was work with the technology to set it up uh the amount of information we're able to clearly display uh just with a, the main video board which is you know 25 by 60 mm-hmm. uh is really remarkable um and then you know as i mentioned um nick our gm really insisted on this left field board uh it's it's uh i, I think it's seven by 60 or something like that it was uh, really long yeah uh it, it brings uh, alive that whole side of the ballpark and we have it set up with advertising on on two-thirds of it and then stats and other interactive things in the middle and it, it really works incredibly well um the one other thing that you guys really work closely with us on and you know i think you're bet- better known for you know fancy <laughs> Uh, electronics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was an idea that I had that you guys really brought to life was uh, we have a, a manual scoreboard uh, in right center field. okay And the way we set it up is that it is it is a sweep. It's set up so that fans sit in front of the manual scoreboard and during the game, they put the numbers up. So the numbers aren't put up <laughs> from behind. they're put up from the front. Wow. And this was uh, you know an idea that that I had, you know, obviously based on Fenway, obviously based on other things, mm-hmm. uh, wanting to have some, you know, an interesting feature and fan interaction. Um, but literally, you know, it was something drawn on the back of a napkin or something. And uh, <laughs> and you guys brought that to life. Uh, we did kind of, I think it's a Camden Yards green with a kind of a traditional look to it. Uh, it works incredibly well. The visibility of it throughout the ballpark is amazing. And I think it's one of the really unique features that that you guys brought to life for us. So, <laughs> You know, I don't I don't know how many people know yeah, kind of your capability, and your creativity of doing something like that in addition to all the fancy electronics, but it's really it's kind of one of the signature parts of the ballpark.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, I I mean, manually doing scoreboards is definitely cool in itself, but when you have right. the fans participating in it, that's a whole nother level. And that's you know, we hear that from time to time. It's not always just about the video boards, even though they do help. It's kind of there's a lot of other things that go with making sure it's a great fan experience. Um, so you have the manual scoreboard. We've contacted kind of with the main video board, but maybe just give us like a high level to help our listeners get a maybe a view in their head. What old types of displays do you have at the ballpark then?
0: Yeah, so it's uh, in a, in right field we've got the you know the main video board, which is twenty five by sixty. In left field, we've got this giant long ribbon board. Uh, we also have behind home plate uh, a smaller ribbon board that uh, we really utilize to to put the, the score and some statistics and stuff up on. So the people that people are in the outfield concourse uh, have visibility and can understand what's going on in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I think this year we're going to utilize, you know, a bit more with advertising. But you know, like most minor league ballparks, we have a 360 degree concourse. Uh, we've got some really unique areas on the outfield concourse. So we really wanted to set things up so there were elements so that the fans could be part of the game, you know, no matter where they are. And we have it designed so that you know, hopefully someday we'll uh, we can expand some of the ribbon boards behind home plate. But uh, they all they all work and integrate incredibly well. You know, it works great with our sponsors. We have uh, the ability to flip everything to one sponsor at one time, uh, which you know gives a lot of visibility to our sponsors and uh, the the, uh, the opportunities for sponsorships have been have been great with all those elements.
2: Yeah, and I think we were talking kind of a little bit the other day before the show was. You know, there, you also have a billboard, which is I mean, it I wouldn't it happens at at stadiums and arenas around the around the country around the world. But I'm mm-hmm. always kind of curious as do you know, like the main function or purpose of the billboard, but was that always a part of the plan? And kind of, how do you, how do you use the billboard then? I believe it's out by the interstate, correct?
0: Yes. Yes. Um, So yeah, we uh, were fortunate. I mean, we're, as I mentioned, we're halfway between DC and Richmond and Mm -hmm. we're right on interstate 95, Mm -hmm. which is one of the most heavily trafficked roads, you know, in the country. Uh, The ballpark is just inside uh, the city of Fredericksburg. As you come across the Rappahannock river coming South down 95, um, and we were able to uh, erect a large LED sign that at the top has our logo, but has a big LED board uh, that is completely visible to traffic both directions. And it's something that we've used to promote um, our events. We have a sister facility that we run that's an expo and convention center next door. We promote those events. There's opportunities for our key sponsors in the ballpark to be up on that video board. Uh, but it really allows us to promote. And it's... a uh, as I said, it's a very heavily traffic road. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a road that has a lot of backups, so there's a lot of traffic sitting there having a lot of time to look <laughs> up at, at the LED board. But it's, uh, it's a it's a great additional element uh, that, that we did with
3: you guys. By the way, Seth, do you know um, how many video board like the billboards, are um, next to the interstate between DC to Fredericksburg?
0: Yeah, there's very few. There's uh, a restriction on advertising, and this is something that had been grandfathered into the site. So... That literally between D.C. and Richmond, uh, Potomac Mills, which is a giant shopping center about That's 30 right. miles north of here, mm. has a very large sign as well. Although it's not an LED, uh, King's Dominion, the big amusement park a little bit south of us, has a has a pretty dated LED board mm. there as well. Yeah. So there's very little advertising like this, so it's pretty unique and. Uh, people people know where our ballpark is and know know what's going on in the ballpark by seeing the LED sign.
2: Yeah. So you mentioned grandfather Dan. So was there a billboard there, and then you kind of just took it over and then made it into LED, or kind of how did that go up?
0: So um, like our our family has uh, a drawer full of plans for stadiums around Northern Virginia. There was a, a drawer full of plans for what could be built on this site before we decided to do baseball here. Okay. Okay. Uh, there was at a time uh, supposed to be a giant water park on this site. Uh, which is Kalahari, which I know they've got up near the Poconos. They've got a big indoor water park. Uh, When they did a development plan back in 2008 or something, uh, they had applied for and gotten approved for a sign to be on 95 on the property adjacent where we are. So we were able to kind of use that approval, which had already gone through city approvals and beat approvals. So. Nice.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. It's always interesting to hear how some of those things come together. And and like you said, the ballpark came together and and you mentioned it that last year you used it for some events that were um, non-game day things. So how does the technology kind of help with the non-game day events currently that you have?
0: Um, I mean, it works. It works incredibly well. And I think that's where, you know, having the combination of the main video board and the, the left field ribbon board works well, because we do a lot of events on the field. Um, I mentioned earlier, we have a artificial surface uh, that was uh, built by, uh, by Shaw, and we are the only minor league team with the surface. It's what the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, Texas Rangers, and Miami Marlins have. And it, it looks like real grass. It feels like real grass, uh, but it allows us to have fans on the field, do concerts in the ballpark uh, without really worrying about the surface and wear and tear on it. Um, so we have a lot of people on the field. We had a, a fall fest here a few weeks ago, which was trick-or-treating and, you know, hundreds of kids around the field and the video elements, you know, kind of surround them and it really lends itself incredibly well. Uh, we have a, a club facility that can hold 200 people and we've been having a lot of business meetings and we'll use the main video boards for PowerPoint <laughs> and things like that. So it's it's really a neat feature that we can, that we can share with people. And uh, when we do concerts, uh, we do a lot of promotion for for our events and things like that, and all the video elements.
2: That's cool, and and we'll definitely get into the control aspect here and talk to Wu in a second. But I kind of I'm always curious. You know, Justin and I are both in marketing, so it's yep. um, when you're deciding to do all this. You mentioned working with Datronics I think even fairly early on to help out to decide kind of what to get. Um, what kind of made you go with Daktronics? And was there something that we did that kind of stuck out in the early processes that made you or that you chose to go with us?
0: Yeah, I mean you are obviously one of the biggest names in the field but we um did seriously look at a couple other vendors and vetted everybody you know extensively you know i think uh in the end uh we were very comfortable uh with your technology with your ability to stay in budget with your ability to deliver um on time um and your your flexibility to work with us because uh, i think the original scope uh really was the, uh, the main video board. And mm-hmm. then we added the left field board. Yeah. And then we added the, the board behind home plate. Um, and then, you know, again, the, the concept for this manual scoreboard in right center was like back of an envelope. Um, and you guys really worked incredibly well and, and flexibly with us. Uh, you know, I think, you know, from the technology side, uh, one of the other key participants in this was uh, actually my brother-in-law, Matt Weiss, who's in the industry. And he was very comfortable uh, with your ability to to deliver, to provide us what we needed so that when we had a staff in place, they could make it all work. And that's something I'm completely incapable of assessing. And ultimately, you know, we spent a lot of money on the technology mm-hmm. and uh, I think we hired the right people. Um, you know, I remember when Robbie first mentioned Wu's name to us and that this was an incredibly talented person that we needed to figure out, you know, how to get here and bringing him in and giving him license to just kind of use every bit of technology we have to its fullest extent, it's been amazing. Um, the capabilities we have for the in-game aspects are incredible. Uh, the capabilities we have from a broadcast aspect, what we put on MILB TV, is truly outstanding. And I actually live an hour away from here in Maryland, so I watch a lot of the games on the app. Uh, you know, uh, screen- screening it's my TV at home oh, yeah. and. It's, uh, it's, you know, near major league quality with the camera angles that we have that are set up, uh, with the replay, with the video technology, it's, and the graphics, it's really, it's really remarkable. The product we put out, you know, both in the ballpark, uh, and through MILB TV and, you know, the ballpark features, we have 13 suites. We have this club area, all of whom have, uh, video, uh, in those, in those elements and people are watching the games, you know, inside. So, uh, you know. We, we had a package of technology that when we had our creative staff here, we could turn over to and really make the most of it and put on a really good show.
1: Nice. Yeah. And, and you talk about putting on that show and you talked about the, the technology in the ballpark, all those different displays. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll throw it over to Wu here to say, you use our, our show control to kind of control everything. How does that play into the game day production?
3: From my perspective, it's really flexible for the things that we wanted to. Um, so, um, the whole, the, all three boards combined together, we're able to put on a lot of information for fans inside a stadium to see. And also um, there's another component that um, inside a rack is able to allow us to put graphic on, um, on the stream. And it just, I just amazed by how easy to set up the zones and, you know, layers in, in order to place uh, all the graphic that we need. And it just um, extremely easy to do. Um, I can literally, if, for example, if um, the sales team this morning sold something for uh, one new element that we needed to add on, and I can literally just go in there, change the zone or add a zone and put the graphic in there and hit the one button and just go right up there. And also during the game, I remember there was one time um, there was a, a little bit of um issue on the design side of me um and then our general manager came up said oh the graphic didn't pause uh instead of just got canceled so we we need to like make the change and then i remember that day um i thought about how i place out all the zones and how I put the layers, just making sure every um every element's run correctly. And I thought about, oh, there's maybe a little little thing that we can tweak. And I just went in there during the game between the inning and just fixed the zone and fixed the layers and and then like probably about 10 to 15 minutes, I got it fixed and everything just run smoothly after that. And I didn't really have any issue of um running into like just bugging out or just system crash. Um, The whole season runs like super smooth Um, and for the LED perspective. And so my prior team had, um, they used to have uh, the boards from another company. I know when I was there, the boards kind of running down. It was like nine to 10 years of that boards. But um, the boards in here, the clarity, the color, um, how saturated that is, how vibrant that is. It's just amazing. Um, when I just hear um, it's a 1200 by 528 pixel count for us, <laughs> I was like, mm, I don't know about that because we used to have 1920 by 1080, which is like <laughs> a lot of pixel. And then I remember this one time that um, we had events that we played the World Series from prior year on our video board. So I like for, for like a free event for fans to come in and just mm-hmm. hang out in the new ballpark. And the times uh, that, the moment I put the games on, um, I just I just felt like okay, I feel like I'm watching um, a movie inside a theater, and <laughs> yeah. it's so clear that I didn't even think that would that boards were capable to do. Um, and like um, during the games, and I'm able to set up a lot of zone, like um, Seth was saying that we're able to display a lot of different information. Um, among the three different boards and allow fans inside the stadium can see it clearly and um, and then there's two other boards that we add on the left field ribbon and behind home play facial boards really give us flexibility to open up a lot of space on the main boards because our um, general manager Nick Hall always wanted to like have like a bigger portion for like headshots so that Mm-hmm. It looks not scrambled together all the elements, so i'm able to use that board to how clear that board is um I can able I, I was able to clear out the whole center of the whole board to put the headshots and all the stats and it looks amazing and uh how correctly the color display it's it's amazing so uh, as Seth mentioned, we had a mini school board screen and um Matt Wise, uh, Seth, um, brother-in-law, he sent me the color, um, the, the hex code, and I put it in there for our system to match that um, manual scoreboard color for all our video elements, and it looks unified. Nice. And it, you, just, you just put it in there. The color is right there. You don't have you need to tweak anything. You, need to, you don't need to change a little bit, just make it a little less saturated or less like the aluminum just go down a little or go up a little. You don't have to do any of that You just put it up there it's right there
2: that's awesome and i'm thinking back you know you said your previous experiences and when you came to the nationals was it were you there during the 2020 did you arrive there last year or was this year your first year
3: so uh i arrived here um in the end of 2019 that was before the video element getting built okay. i remember so um for a prior of time we we're working in expo center our uh, sister affiliate uh sorry facility yeah. um sister f- uh, facility and every time we step out of office we can see a uh, house the uh, the stadium the progress um kind of um every day you can see the difference i remember this um, when we start building all those pillars for the v- uh, main video board and when the cranes came in just install all the boards i can see the I can see the progress like daily, and it was like within the week everything was just up. Like the whole board is up, and I think another week or so left. The ribbon was up, but we're not able to uh, install the home play one just because we need the infrastructure to to build it. Yeah. But yeah, it was extremely fast, and uh, I remember back by, by then our. Um, Tech support. He always come in and uh, like for me. It's very convenient just talk to them because this is my first time using that tronic system, and mm-hmm. he was able to help me a lot with like a lot of small thing that he knows and help me to understand the system and help me to understand how to operate it. But um, yeah, everything was everything was worked smoothly.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wu's comments are bringing back some memories of <laughs> uh, you know the video board was up before. structure behind home plate where our press box and control room is were were built so we had a uh, a trailer out in center field that was connected to the video board and uh you guys worked very closely with us on that to make sure that if had we opened in april 2020 uh, we would have been able to operate without a press a press (laughs) uh, press box and a control room which which was pretty incredible
2: (laughs) because i'm thinking and i think i'll go back to woo on this too was you know, so you get there last year and Seth, you've already talked about, you know, last year didn't happen obviously as you thought. So you did mm-hmm. a lot of other things, but it also gave time to fine-tune things and make them better. And I'm thinking of Woo, right? He has these shiny new toys that he wants to like essentially play with and put content on. Um, was it kind of over the course of the year, Woo? Did you you know, I'm thinking similar to like Seth when he said he had all these ideas of different ballparks and what he wanted to look like. Did you kind of have a vision in your head over the past year, Will, of like what did you want to do with these displays for an actual game day?
3: Um, Yes and no, <laughs> because um, I always have a vision. I always – I always want to do a certain things on the video boards and like I have the same vision as Nick Hall, our general manager, have a big display of headshot, not just a small corner, just mm-hmm. you don't even see the player's face. I want like a big chunk of space we can put headshot information and all that. But um, like I said, it was my first time working for uh, working with that Tronic system. Mm-hmm. I remember it was um, a funny story. Me and Robbie Perry, we went to the um, buy by year conference that for baseball you guys had held, uh, held in Brookings, uh, oh, South okay. Dakota. Oh. and we walking we, we walked in with no experience of what is happening. Um, everybody was throwing questions, ideas around the conference. We were like, okay, um, that's a great concept, but how why like technically, how, how do I make it happen? And we have no idea how to operate a system. We don't know how to add zones. I remember me and Robbie were just sitting there just <laughs> figuring out how exactly we can put like a small don't <laughs> up there. And we were like, okay, everybody is so expert here. And we were, we are intimidated. That's why uh, <laughs> I had a general idea, like I said, but we were not, we, I, me, myself kind of a little bit afraid of throw out too big of picture. And then it was just like, okay, we're not able to do that. Not able to do that and um, all that. But after after training uh, I did with you guys and I think everything that we had in our, on, in our mind before the training was able to um was able to achieve and some of them um me i remember me and the, uh, the trainer here i was like four months before the season we're mm-hmm. sitting here at eight o'clock at night just figuring out how to do certain things in meteor rtd and we've after we figure out it we're like so exciting and
1: yeah it was yeah. awesome <laughs> that's awesome to hear and and even like the first year of things, you you like you said, first year with the Dactronic system, you're learning it and you came up to Brookings and learned from the user group too. And you're just kind of figuring things out. Do you have kind of bigger plans for this next year, your, your second year? Like, did you learn over the course of the year and say, okay, now I know I can try something else? Can you tease what's coming?
3: Absolutely. So uh, during the course of last season, basically, I learned a lot of um, how to run. So I know how to put things in. And next year, I'm planning to make the show more, um, more dazzling with add more s- small stuff that just um, will add to a lot of characters for um, our, our players and our for our sponsor. So we have one element during the game. It was the the strikeout batter. So every time the strikeout batter came up, we have a wipe for the headshot to change and. Uh, we figured that out, and in my head, I was like, okay, if we have more stuff, for example, it's a, a, a double, I don't necessarily have to change the whole graphic, I can just have a wipe wipe in for the sponsor and then wipe out and not changing the headshot at all. Because every time we change a whatever on the main media board, and it will just uh, stop the sponsors. And then, when we do the pop, and it will. Cut out a chunk of time for the sponsor, and um, that way we can still remain playing for the sponsor while we can have other element running. And it was just awesome. And also, uh, I figured so last year for our speed of pitch, we actually had a sponsor. We have a sponsor. Um, he's covering the speed of pitch uh, during non like just when there's no pitch throwing, mm-hmm. and when he pitched, we'll have a um, a graphic pop up. And we're, me and the trainer was able to figure it out how to do that. Um, just triggering automatically from the all sports, um, from the jet gun. And, um, we're basically just using every, just like small JPEG file, just triggering every time. But next year I kind of want to do some, little bit of animation in there. Like maybe we create a little, uh, a little, um, a quick time animation files so that we can have fire just crossing the, the speed of pitch every time you throw up to 95. And that's kind of what we did at the end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. And also, it was so easy to set up different headshot look um, because we have every, every, every Wednesday and it Wednesday and Saturday, we normally have thin night. So we will change the whole board. We'll change the whole look for the boards. Me and Alexis, our uh, graphic designer, will work very close on that. We changed the boards, the whole look for a different theme night. And we were able to have a whole bunch of look storage in one page. We can just change uh, like super easy. And from Inspire from there, uh, we can kind of um, envision that we can have a different headshot look. Uh, for example, we have different uh, two buttons that one button is we have the motion headshot and some um batters swinging we have their picture cut out put in as a headshot and maybe the second time we put them on the board it will be a a normal headshot with a different graphic a different stats displaying Mm -hmm. that's kind of like in my vision for next year as well and right now we're actually uh, trying to change a lot of um inventory we're trying to fill out more space uh in the um, uh, on the left field ribbon and behind the home plate, just add more value for our clients. And I'm on the process of uh, redesigning all that. And it just, yeah, everything everything works smooth. And um, every every time the South team say, oh, can we do that? Can we do that? Mm-hmm. And maybe I had need to do a little bit of re- research of how smooth I can operate it. But after I done the done the research and either calling you guys for uh for support or whatever i can i can be able to figure out like um really easily
2: that's awesome and i mean you having such a clear vision we're sitting here in november of 2021 right and Mm -hmm. you already having a lot of these ideas for the next season i can see why seth had mentioned they were excited to to bring you on board to be able to do this so i want to kind of a similar question justin for you i want to throw it over to seth and you know thinking about next year i mean you just got down with your first season real season right and um and you, you know now there is a base of fans there. You mentioned even though the team started out 0-15, but yet you still sold a lot of tickets. People still yeah. came to the ball game. Maybe just uh, let us know, what are you thinking for next year then for everyone?
0: Um, I mean, we're incredibly excited, you know, to have a full offseason to, to plan and let people like Wu come up with these ideas and have time to implement them mm-hmm. is great. Um, you know, we did very well Uh, in a partial season, you know, with uh, partial capacity for part of it. But we're already seeing a significant uptick in season ticket sales. Uh, A lot of our sponsors are coming back to us and saying, "Uh, how can I do more? Mm. Um, So really kind of working on that. Um, So, you know, from those perspectives, you know, we think that next season, uh, as far as, you know, uh, attendance and overall sponsorship support, you know, we're expecting, uh, you know, an uptick. You know, and as far as, you know, the the fan engagement, um, you know, uh, having gotten through uh, the season, uh, we're able to add some additional staffing. I think we're going to be able to do more to even improve the fan experience. Um, We were, you know, somewhat restricted in kind of what we could do on kind of on-field promotions because of COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, we're hoping that'll be much more open, you know, next year so that we can, you know, even improve the fan experience. And, you know, listening to some of the ideas Wu has for next year uh just to entertain our fans you know you know again starting 0 and 15 uh the the support was incredible uh watching the folks uh you know still be engaged enjoying the game uh was amazing when we did get that first victory you know seeing the the we win graphic up on the video board mm-hmm. <laughs> uh uh to have the lights flashing on and off well, it was really pretty in- incredible and i've got that on my you know that video on my phone, and I I probably go back and look at it. I look at it probably once once a month because it, it felt like we won the World Series. Um, nice. It was it was it was kind of that exciting for folks. Uh, but you know just to to give our fans you know a, an even better experience. Uh, you know the compliments we get on just the overall vibe of the ballpark, which you know is the physical structure, but it's really the environment you create, which is you know a lot of things that 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 we do from an operational standpoint. We have a you know a great set of ushers that really welcome people to the ballpark. It's the little things like that. But, you know, the entertainment value, um, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan. I, I'm a national season ticket holder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I easily sit through a nine inning baseball game and get up as little as possible. But that's that's unique. You know, the minor league baseball fan, people get up, they walk around. We've got a big playground in right field. You know, mm-hmm. we need to entertain uh, the casual fan. And what we're able to do, you know, with your equipment and your technology, is great and just gives us the flexibility to tweak it and improve it all the
1: time. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's that's great to hear. And hopefully, you get to display that uh, win graphic more yeah. often yeah. this coming was, season. Was
2: Wu just smashing that on the on the show control?
1: I <laughs> just wait <laughs> to do that. On, you got to be curious about I, that I'll video just, now. I would just
3: play during off season, just making sure that. The- <laughs> We have 60 times that graphic or something. <laughs>
1: there you go. <laughs> so, Seth Wu, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to to come on here and share all about the Fredericksburg Nationals getting started here and, and the new stadium and the video displays and, and your production and how you guys have brought that together over this past year through the pandemic into 2021 and and looking beyond. So thank you for taking the time to join us today.
0: No, you're, you're welcome. And uh, we appreciate sharing our thoughts on this. Uh, You know, working with you guys was, you know, an incredible pleasure. Uh, And, uh, you know, as I mentioned early, this is a unique project and it, you know, it's our funds that we're expending. And we had to be careful in doing that and stay within budget. We were able to do that with you guys. But the the most important thing is that you guys were uh, truly a partner in helping us bring this to life uh, with all the elements, allowing us to get in the, the stadium, the technology that we needed to entertain our fans, uh, bringing to life things like the manual scoreboard. But uh, you guys were, uh, you were not just uh, somebody that we contracted with as a vendor. You were a true partner that worked with us to, to to make our dream come true. So we really do appreciate it.
3: To add it on a little bit, uh, I just want to say how smoothly from the team to you guys, uh, we, we can communicate like, smoothly. It was like really big deal for us because um, sometimes if a little bit of like, miscommunication can cause like, pretty big uh, pretty big issue during our, our game presentation but um, everything's that me myself can be able to communicate with you guys that it has been really smooth and uh, none of the issue came up and some of the tech supports that you guys have like I want I want to mention a little bit of Eric Eden and Thomas and Mm -hmm. they're all really, really stay on top of everything. And every time I send them an email, they'll be able to uh, get back to me within an hour or so. And it just, it's been a really great experience and working with you guys.
2: That's awesome. Thank you both for your kind words. And I echo Justin as well. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to join us for the podcast episode. And I'll definitely have to check that place out. when Next time I head out east, you guys make it sound like a pretty cool game day experience. So I'm excited to check it out someday.
1: We'd love to have you. Thanks, Absolutely. guys. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dectronics Experience Podcast. Please subscribe at your favorite place to listen to podcasts to keep up with our latest episodes.